It's the week of June 2nd. This is MASHCAST 123. of the Mash Those Buttons Mash Cast. I am Jarrett, and I'm here with the games industry public defender and scourge of Ironforge, Nick Zelenkevich. And I just want to give a, a screw you to muscular dystrophy because Joel Couture is not here this week because he's prepping for a, uh, a charity event to, to fight that. And, and so because of muscular dystrophy, we don't have Joel this week. So screw you. Thanks for filling in for Joel. With the screw you for this week. I, I had to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Second episode, Joel Couture, not missing an action like last week. Uh, turns out he wasn't dead. Turns out he just fell asleep. So <laughs> that, that was great. Isn't um, sleep like a little death? No. <laughs> <laughs> not at all, actually. But, um, yeah, this week he actually, you know, he has a good reason for not being here. He's, uh, I know he's, he's, Talking with some of the people he's he's gonna be working on the stream with, so that should be pretty awesome when they when they when that kicks off and you'll hear more about it on the site. Hopefully, uh, actually we already have an article up about it, so go over and check it out. Actually, I'll put it into the show notes because of course you're interested in it. Yeah, and of course you should donate. Support support fighting muscular dystrophy. Yes, exactly. I, I, I almost said support muscular dystrophy, which no, that's bad. <laughs> yeah, that's not what we want to do here. <laughs> no. All right, so uh, yeah, last week was, you know, was, I was pretty much catching up on what's been happening over the last few weeks, and uh, thankfully we did that because it really felt like news was really sparse, you know, over the last, like, four weeks that we weren't podcasting. I guess they knew we were on vacation. Uh, but this last week, not, I mean, I don't know, I guess starting Monday, just tons of shit coming out of the woodworks, I think... You know, last week I thought that, you know, we were going to have a great E3 because people were kind of keeping stuff under wraps. And this week they were just like, fuck it. <laughs> we're, we're telling everybody <laughs> everything because there's so much news coming out about games. I mean, I, I could see if, uh, you know, if something leaked out, maybe. They, then you talk about it, like the, the Battlefield Hardline. You know, that's one thing. But just tons of shit coming out of nowhere, you know. So either we won't have that many surprises at E3, or 2015 is going to be a fucking incredible year for games. You know, end of 2014, early 2015, because of the games that we're hearing about now, if they're if they're not out, I mean, if they're if they're coming out in 2014, if they're if they're not the what? the best ones, is anything still coming out at the end of 2014? Because every day, I think the, that's the other big news is stuff keeps getting pushed back, like uh, what Witcher Three and uh, Three. Arkham Arkham Knight. Arkham Knight, yep. So, um, they did release. Did you see the Batmobile video they released for for Arkham Knight? Yeah, they they showed no. the new Batmobile, which is basically Bat Tank. <laughs> Like and it has for for a guy who doesn't like guns, it has a shit ton of guns on it. 
<laughs> so. they, they shoot rubber bullets. <laughs> right. I don't think a cannon can shoot a rubber bullet. Just a, it's just a kickball. And plus, I've never heard of armor piercing rubber bullets. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's definitely something that you see in the video. Armor piercing rubber bullets. Not rubber bullets, but armor pier- one of the guns is armor piercing. So, there is something that's, that's built for crowd control. That seems more like Batman style, but you got to see this thing. But uh, anyway, let's get into our topics. First things first. Uh, well, actually, let's let's run down the topics um, that we're, we're going to be covering because we do that now. I've only been doing it for, I guess, maybe the last, what, four or five podcasts? And I just totally forgot that's what we do. Sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. I'm, I'm only human, guys. I'm not perfect. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, so we're going to be uh, talking about uh, the uh, Watch Dogs uh, again, but not really because we're really going to be talking about the Steam user reviews for Watch Dogs and why Steam <laughs> reviews was a is a bad idea if you're actually considering, you know, taking those reviews into account for your purchase and not for just some type of comic relief. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's great for that. <laughs> it is awesome for comic relief, okay? So we got that. Um, talk about some Uplay performance issues. Uh, we are going to talk about Homefront 2. We're going to talk... Yeah, that's right. Homefront 2. Uh, well, actually, it's not called Homefront 2. It's called Homefront the Revolution, and we'll talk about why that is. Uh, we watched a video on whether the FPS is dying or evolving that made both myself and Nick very angry. It hurt. It still hurts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, you know, you know Nick usually gives people the benefit of the doubt. In this no, case, he no, did no, not. No, 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 no. He definitely did not... Uh, give people the benefit, uh, the the uh, author the benefit of the doubt. I, th- I think it was at the one minute forty nine second video when I, I first said I'm done. I can't watch anymore. <laughs> yeah, it took me two watches to go through it, but so we'll talk about that and uh, some problems with Steam early access. We're gonna we're gonna touch on that. But first things first, we need to talk about the success of Mario Kart Eight. <laughs> I have not heard a single bad thing about Nintendo except from you know Ken Buchera. About the uh, you know about Nintendo since Mario Kart 8 came out. Uh, Mario Kart 8 is the fastest selling game on the Wii U, and it's driving up console sales not by 50 percent, not by 100 percent, but by 666 percent. Wii U sales have gone up in the UK. In the UK, yes. Which for that pretty is pretty big. For that number, doesn't it seem just a little bit like maybe they made a deal with the devil? Yeah, that yeah, there's kind of this jokes going around about that. I'm disappointed. I should have known that. Yeah. <laughs> it would have been a good one, Nick. Uh, but Nick, it's not you if it's not a bad joke. That's true. That's true. It's if it's not a bad joke, it's not Nick. I got to get back into fighting form here. Yeah, he does. He's he's I, uh he's getting lazy here. I, I got to start smacking down Waluigi and giving him death stares. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is like one of the best things coming out of Mario Kart, the Luigi death stare videos. And uh, I didn't realize, but I guess Ludacris has just made so many great songs <laughs> <laughs> because a lot of this, a lot of the tracks are Ludacris tracks, and they are hilarious to watch. So uh, yeah, if you get a chance, go to YouTube and and you know look up Luigi Death Stare. Actually, Kotaku has an article that has a really has a bunch of good ones. So yeah, um, go ahead. The best thing about the death stare is like I honestly feel like that's just Luigi's face. Like he's always had that kind of like blank 
look to him and when he turns his eyes that's when you kind of get the stare because he's looking he's turning his head his eyes are all the way over like in the in the the holes there and it makes this just this angry badass face and i think this is this is like the hidden joy of Nintendo in high def. This is what we missed by the Wii being, you know, sort of a last gen, last gen console. Um, because it, it's, we, we're so, we're in such high fidelity on the characters, <coughs> excuse me, that Luigi has acquired this like Walter White-esque personality now. <laughs> and it's amazing. It's just amazing. I, and I, I kind of almost... Because I can't think, I can't think at any that I. I mean, I suppose it's entirely possible. Somebody Nintendo was like, "We need to make Luigi a badass," but I can't think that they would have done that intentionally. Like, this is something that they stumbled into, and it's just, it's it's amazing. It 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 gives Mario Kart, it gives the entire Mario franchise this whole new dimension to look at it. I love it. Yeah, that's. So I mean, besides you know, Wii U's finally moving. That's that's the great thing that we have the Luigi Death Stand now and all these videos that are hilarious. Uh, but I just want like Nick, do you, who predicted that Mario Kart was gonna move Wii U units? Do you remember that person? It was it was you. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'm on I'm I'm on I'm 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 I'm, I'm shitting gold these days <laughs> because uh, I told I I predicted. The, that the Kinect was going to get dropped from the beginning, and I predicted that this year that Mario Kart and Smash Brothers are going to move Wii U's. This is going to be a good year for Nintendo. Okay? And I mean, as long as, if, if enough units move, I think we're going to see some better games coming from third parties for Nintendo. Especially since it's it should be very easy to develop for the Wii U considering, you know, the uh technical uh limitations that it has. Like the tools are already built and the developers have been using the, those tools to make games of that caliber for what? Eight years, nine years now? Should be cake. So I'm not making a full prediction on that. I just hope it happens. Uh, don't bank on that one guys. Oh oh, oh please great Jostradamus predict for us. <laughs> I'm telling you, like Mario Kart 8 and Smash Brothers, gonna be huge. I'm telling you, it's gonna be especially after they announced that you can use your GameCube controllers via that connector. Dude, I'm gonna go searching for Wave Birds on eBay. You know, the thing is, I don't think you're the only one. I think, I mean, I I have my Wave Birds somewhere. Yeah. So like, I mean, not that I have a Wii U, but I mean, I know I, I I think, I mean, by them doing that, and I don't, I mean, I, I don't think they still manufacture those things. So oh, yeah, no, it's, it's entirely that's entirely the secondary market that people are gonna be like, oh shit, why did I get rid of my GameCube and why did I get rid of all that stuff? But um, no, that's gonna be huge. I mean, it's one of those things. I think I think we all knew that Mario Kart Eight was gonna be awesome, was gonna move set systems, but I don't think. I don't think we could have seen like like I mean there it's getting a lot of perfect scores and it's I mean there is I think like you said like there's nobody saying anything bad about Nintendo at this point like they they nailed it there is nothing wrong with that game but they always do but no 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 but I'm, but I mean th- even then like there were some people they were like yeah double dash yeah it's a gimmick kind of thing like there were there were always like some people it's like well you know Mario Kart's good but but no I think like for for as deep of a hole as they dug themselves with the Wii U, it you know that they they mastered that they handicapped themselves and then made the perfect Mario Kart game to get them out of that hole. 
So I think it, it's, uh, you know, they're playing on hard mode and they're, they're, they're mastering it. They're, they're a boss. Dude, but that's the thing. Like, you know, like, you know, these everybody keeps saying, oh, Nintendo needs to start putting stuff out on other consoles. No, they don't. This is the beauty of the Nintendo ecosystem. It really is. Because they control things 100%. If they're making a game and there's something happening on the Wii U console, that's the trouble. They don't just have to compensate for it in the game. They talk to the Wii U system engineers like, yo, this is a problem for Mario Kart 8. Kind of a big deal. And the system engineers can push out an update or fix it. Or work directly with the guys making the game to, to you know, polish it out. But you, you've got to figure, it's not even it's not even that they're, they're like, pushing out updates. Like, the development teams have to all be in communication from the time the console launches. Like, they're, like, saying, like, okay, this is what we're putting in the console. You guys figure out how you can use that for your Mario Kart, and they'll come back, and then, like, it's, I mean, it's entirely an in-house process. And so, yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, I think you could still get, I mean, uh, to, to say that, Mario, that that Nintendo needs to be making their own hardware in order to put out this kind of quality game, um, it, you know, it, it makes it a little easier for them, and they certainly get to reap all the rewards. I mean, could you have done this kind of stuff on, you know, could you have made like Mario Kart on a PlayStation or Xbox? Sure. Um, but this this is working for them. I mean, yeah, the Wii U's, you know, struggling so far, but, you know, let, let's revisit this at the end of the year. And let's, uh, we, we can talk then about whether or not we want to see, Mar- well, I mean, everybody wants, I guess that's really the other argument too, is that because as great as these games are, it means we have to buy another console. It's like Mario Kart 8 is awesome. You have to buy a Wii U. And if, oh, if, if Nintendo could just kind of put that stuff on, you know, the other, you know, systems, then I, I want my PS4. I need my PS4. Then I don't have to have another box cluttering up my living room. I don't need to outlay that much cash up front. It makes it easier on me, which, you know, that's, you know, that I guess that's great for, you know, from a selfish perspective. But ultimately, ultimately, Nintendo knows their ecosystem. They'll be fine. Yeah. I mean, Nintendo... I don't think they were ever in danger uh, as a company because I mean, like, they sold a lot of Wii's, a lot of Wii's. Okay, even at the end of the of the well, actually the P, the Xbox 360 and the PS3 are still selling, technically speaking, and they're still like I don't know, almost 20 million units shy of hitting the numbers that the Wii did. So Nintendo's sitting on all that sweet, sweet Wii money, uh, and while of course they want to make more money, they have some cushion. You know what I'm saying? They can be adventurous, and they can make, you know, turns. I mean, I think the the only thing that we saw that Nintendo did was you know the executives got their bonuses cut. You know, but we didn't. We don't see Nintendo laying a bunch of people off, closing up shop in it's a lot of places. Because they're not dicks. Yes, but also, I'm like, that is a genuine response to, you know, being in trouble. You know, Sony sold buildings. Now, like, that's that sounds like they're in more trouble than Nintendo is. Uh, so, yeah, so, even, go ahead. No, it just, but Sony's situation is so vastly different. I mean, Nintendo is, you know, video games. I mean, Sony is so much more. Yeah, and the only thing really making money for Sony right now is their entertainment division. So, that is a different but it's good to hear some. It's good to hear some good news about Wii U and Nintendo, um, even though some people like Ben Kuchera want you know Nintendo to to fold up the consoles and start putting stuff out on other consoles. I really don't because I will be buying a Wii U when Smash Brothers drops. You know, as I said, I can predict that with accuracy. 
I, w- I want to get out in front of everybody here. I want to be the first to call for Nintendo to get out of the console wars and go back to making playing cards. That's what I want to see. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How about they make uh, playing cards that you put on the Wii U controller? No, I want them to be playing cards, and the back of the cards is just Luigi's death stare. <laughs> uh, well, okay, it was, it was, that's, that's good news uh, for Nintendo. Uh, and... Uh, no, nah, there's no way for me to segment that. I was going to go on the home front, too. I was like, yeah, that, let me see if I can roll this. Nope, nope, this isn't good news. It's just kind of an announcement that's kind of cool. Um, but Homefront 2, uh, got to keep going on Homefront 2. It's not called Homefront 2. It's called Homefront The Revolution. Uh, that was announced with a trailer, uh, which, when, I'll be honest with you guys, when I watched that trailer, I thought of Crisis. That's what it reminded me of. Uh, one, because it is using the Crytek engine. And I do believe that entire trailer was rendered in-engine. Uh, so it might be pre- pre-rendered, but still it was rendered in-engine, I believe, which is pretty cool. But it just it really reminds me of Crisis. The way the, uh, the Korean soldiers are dressed remind me of Crisis 2. Yeah, when, when did the Koreans get, like, space and shit? <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Like, that, that, that's what it reminds me of. It is a very Crytek-y or Crisis-y design but the funny thing about crisis well of course all the thing about homefront if you didn't know homefront was about uh north korea invading or korea because north korea took over south korea and then korea invaded the united states which was pretty funny because the way things happen happened in homefront happened the next year in real life <laughs> so with kim jong-il dying and everything but uh so that's, that, that's the story of Homefront, or how Homefront started. If you didn't play the original Crisis, which you may not have, because that came out in, what, 2007? And it was only out on PC, and you needed a very, very good PC to play it. Uh, and it was filled with bugs. But the thing about the original Crisis is it started out with Koreans. Like, that that's who you were fighting in Crisis before you found out about the aliens. You weren't fighting them in the U.S., were you? No, you were fighting them on this island. That used to be the U.S. (laughs) (laughs) No, you were fighting Koreans on this island. I forget. Like, there was some... Like, I think you were supposed to go rescue some scientists or something like that. Uh, I can't remember the the, the full story, but basically you end up finding this alien spaceship. The Geth. Not the Geth, sorry. That's 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 a fact. Um... (laughs) I forget what they call in crisis because I just kill them. I don't need to name them. <laughs> but um, oh the Ceph, there it is. It's the Ceph. Sorry. But uh, now I just kind of think it's funny that you have a home front game that looks like Crisis and Koreans are your enemy again. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like you know going you know, like the Koreans are back looking for revenge in Crisis. I wonder if if any of that sort of coincidental mythology might be why like Crisis went and because they they went out and acquired the Homefront IP when uh, THQ went down. Yeah. So well, I, no, they 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 were already working with THQ to make the second game. Oh, okay, okay. So maybe, when, Chaos, when Chaos went down, THQ contracted the game out to Crytek. Okay. That's what happened. So it was either that or. THQ contracted the game out to Free Radical, or I think that's the name of the studio. Uh, free, it was Free something. 
looking for it here. But I can't find it. I think that's that's who who they were. I think they were called Free Radical. Uh but they I th- they might have contracted the game out to them and then Crytek bought them. That might have been it. Either way, Crytek it's in Crytek's hands now. When THQ folded, Deep Silver bought the IP and it's being co published uh between Deep Silver I'm sorry, Deep Silver and Crytek agreed to co publish the game. Deep Silver's made some savvy maneuvers with, with some of the games they're publishing and stuff. Absolutely. They're killing it with the yeah, with some, with some of these games that they're coming out with. Yeah. You know. Good, good job, them. Yes, yeah, very, very. Especially since I wasn't a big fan of them originally because of, uh, um, oh, what's the name of that game I didn't like? Dead Island, there it is. That was my first, that was my introduction to Deep Silver. Was not impressed. But since then, good job. Uh, but, so, cri- uh, I was going to call it Crisis. Uh, Homefront, the revolution. From what we know about it so far, uh, it's going to take place in Philadelphia, uh, as opposed to the other one that was in San Francisco. Uh, the game was going to be... Well, actually, it's, I think it still is first person. I haven't seen anything that says it's not going to be first person anymore. Originally, it was going to be like a very linear game, just like the first one. But after uh, Crytek got more control of it, now it's going to be an open world game. And it's going to focus on guerrilla warfare, uh, whereas the last one was very Call of Duty-ish. Uh, it was pretty much a Call of Duty clone and how it played, with the exception that, well, even Call of Duty 2, you're, you're fighting in the United States, but, and 3. Uh, Call of Duty, so not Call of Duty 2, but Modern Warfare 2 and 3, fighting in the United States, but the premise is that you've been invaded. Now you have to fight, no, fight back, fight, you know, get your home back. But, um... Now, this one's going to focus on guerrilla warfare versus, you know, taking the fight to the man, which makes a bit more sense. Like, what I would like to see is if you do fully engage uh, the enemy, that you just get trounced. Because these are, like, you know, highly, supposedly trained soldiers versus civilians. We're in spacesuits. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> and voice changes, apparently. So... Uh, but yeah, it's supposed to focus on guerrilla warfare and, you know, really, you know, you planting bombs in places, getting them to explode, uh, you, uh, hitting convoys in certain locations, uh, quick hits and getting out. I think it's going to be a, uh, a stealthy type of game as opposed to, you know, most shooters, which would mean that it probably plays a lot like Crisis. To be honest with you, because with Crisis, I mean, I guess you could you could try to play guns blazing, but the game just really isn't set up for that. Like you know, if you if you go loud all the time, fighting humans going loud usually not a problem, not that big of a deal. But you know, going loud with the uh, with the with the Ceph, that's a big problem, especially in Crisis Three. Crisis 3 really changed that dynamic where if you went loud with the Ceph, uh, if you weren't playing, I mean, if you're playing on easy, that's one thing, but if you're playing on the next difficulty and higher, going out with the Ceph was a bad idea. That was a really, really tough fight if you did that. So that's what I think is going gonna, gonna to turn out here. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, because uh, I like Crisis. Actually, I have Crisis 3, and you want to know why I haven't beat Crisis 3? 
because it's on Origin. I, I just don't turn Origin <laughs> on. Like that that's the problem. Like I just do not turn Origin on. How did you on. wind up with it if you haven't if, if it's on Origin? Well, because I the the sale was too I, I couldn't pass up the sale. I couldn't and I was like, okay, fine. So, I so got you, I got Crisis three limited edition. Mass Effect three with all the DLC limited edition. Battlefield three limited edition with all the DLC. I got those three games for twenty five dollars. Damn. Yeah, I was like, fuck. <laughs> I was like, I think you got me. <laughs> but you, so you, you know? just won't play any of them, though. Yeah, well, it's not because it's not that I don't like them. It's just that dude. I was just like, I just fucking forget about it because I don't have Origin on. You know, I want to play Mass Effect Three. Actually, I need to finish Mass Effect Two's DLCs. I need to do that soon before they even decide to, you know, discontinue the service from the PC side. Because mm. you have to buy it separately. Yeah, and I if, well, I think yeah, but once you buy it, you should have it. Then I don't think there's any like, uh, like forced authentication after that. Yeah, but it's like when I buy, like, I, I'm curious to see how it works because I, I can't buy it in Steam. Like you can't buy the Mass Effect uh, DLC in Steam. Um, but you should be you should be able to go into the game and pull it up through there. I don't think you need to have Origin for that deal. You don't, but it takes you to like a website and you have to purchase it. Uh, so yeah, you know EA make you know gumming up the works. Yep, but I, I'll get it eventually. Uh, but let's see. Yeah, Homefront. I'm I'm looking forward to. As of now, as soon as I heard that Crytek was taking it over, I was looking forward to it because there. Besides the first Crisis, there and even the first Crisis. Not like I didn't like it. I just didn't like all the bugs I ran into. Um, but you know, there really hasn't been a game that I didn't like. I it doesn't it's it seems like it's probably gonna be pretty expansive, but not as expansive as Far Cry. That was a bit too much for me. I don't know, we'll see though. You, you know, I just wanna say though, we really should start hammering uh Crytek for to get some some DLC in that game that's all takes place in South Jersey. That all takes place in South Jersey? You, you mean like the South South Jersey? Or no, like not Cherry South Hill? South Jersey, the South Jersey that we know about, like Mount Laurel and uh like uh, more it's, it's, it's just a suburb of Philadelphia. Yeah, I know, but it'd be fun to see. Uh, like, uh, what was that bowling alley that we went to the one time? See that oh, Laurel Lanes? Yeah, see like Laurel Lanes <laughs> in there. Uh, I can do without it, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> I want I my can. old apartment in there. Damn it! I want to go back there anytime. <laughs> yeah, I can do without it. So, uh, yeah, Homefront too. This I was surprised. This should, this would have been a really good reveal. At E3. Actually, actually, you know, maybe, you know why they might have released this info? Didn't they have their, uh, I think Crytek had their press conference really early. Mm. And that may be where this came from. So this may be their E3 announcement. It's funny because year after year, we're seeing the uh, publishers push their conferences out further from E3. You know, like, I'm pretty sure, like, last year, I'm pretty sure Konami had their conference on, like, Saturday or Friday. Yep. And I don't know when they're having one this time. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure the only thing they're going to have there is Metal Gear. <laughs> because Konami, like, what have you been doing? 
nothing. That's <laughs> I, I can't think of them doing anything besides the Castlevania game. You, you mean Ground Zeroes hasn't kept you busy lately? Oh, you mean all two hours of it? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, like, no. Like, they... I really hope Ground Zeroes is not a representation of what th- what's to come in The Phantom Pain. Because the, the non-cutscene thing is not cool. Keith Sutherland, not Solid Snake. Sorry, he's not Solid Snake, but he's not, you know, Big Boss either. He, he doesn't care like David Hare does. He doesn't care. He doesn't care like that hater. <laughs> yeah, but... Uh, yeah, let's move on. I don't want to get into a, a funk about Metal Gear. Yeah. <laughs> That'll derail the show. <laughs> yeah, you know. I'm, I'm actually kind of sad as it is. Pour, pour some out for Metal Gear. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, something else has been going on. Uh, you know, as everybody knows, Watch Dogs is out, and it is the uh, the number one, uh, the, the fastest selling new IP in history. Four million copies in a week. That that's only because people had to buy all those different versions to get all the different content. <laughs> well, that was the thing. Actually, Ben Kachera did bring up a good point. He said this is like one of the like how many new IPs released on five different consoles. You know, so that that is kind of true. It's, it's a five it's a five platform release. Not, not not only that, but it was well hyped. I mean, that coming out of E three twenty twelve, like people were excited about that. They were. Because that that closed off the uh, the Ubisoft show, and I, I think a lot of people were disappointed that we made it to E three twenty thirteen, and it was still kind of like, yeah, we're still working on it. But yeah, yeah, it, it was well hyped. It had a lot of uh, the hype. That hype train rolled hard. It rolled hard all the way into release. And I just actually I just published a review uh, Thursday for it, and uh, I gotta admit it's it, it falls flat. It doesn't fall flat, but it falls short of what it could be. I think that's that's the problem. Is I think the reason people are so hyped about it is it's a great concept. I mean, it's one of those things too, and it it, it had the luck to come out like you know to be coming out in a world you know with the Edward Snowden revelations. And as far as like the entire like, I think anybody who pays attention is 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 acutely aware of just how much information we share. And to see a game that like promises like oh hey like we're kind of going to explore that and exploit that and you're going to like you know kind of play the dark side of you know what you do online um and then it doesn't really do that <laughs> no yeah it, it falls short it's just a revenge story but i don't want to talk about that you can read the review and see why i didn't i, I just thought i didn't like the game it, it was just disappointing but anyway uh you play uh has been causing some trouble well, actually not just for watchdogs but most notably watchdog but some of its other games um you plays poor performance is affecting watchdogs not just on the pc but also on the ps th- on the on the xbox platforms and on the um, playstation platform i just want to say thank god we have you play to prevent all of the piracy that happens on the consoles well on, on the pc on the pc side, i think it, it almost kind of is like a drm but that's kind of like saying steam is drm um even though steam does have an offline mode and i don't think you play does so it's a bit harsher uh but you play is causing like the game to crash on pc you know, like, it's just, shit's not working. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> You'll be in the middle of the game and it'll crash out or the game won't even start. Uh, the, the problems it's having on, like, you know, Xbox Live and the 
PlayStation platforms or, or on PSN is that, you know, things like uh, your achievements aren't being counted or uh, your online missions aren't showing up because that definitely happened to me while I was playing Watch Dogs. Thankfully, because thankfully, because I don't like the online missions. Read the review, you'll see what I'm talking about. But like the the online stuff, I disabled that. Once it kicked on on, on Uplay, I was like, "Holy shit! How do I turn this thing off?" So uh, yeah, that that stuff wasn't working. Um, what else I have here? Uh, the leaderboards for Trial Fusion and Trial Frontier were not working. I don't think Watch Dogs has any leaderboards. Uh, also, some stuff with Assassin's Creed Black Flag. Uh, not working and pretty much uh I don't think you play said anything about it or Ubisoft said anything. It was Microsoft addressing it for their fans, saying that hey, if you're having trouble using Uplay feature on games like Watch Dogs, Trials Fusion, Child of Light, and Assassin's Creed Black Flag, we're working with our partner to resolve the issue. Thanks for your patience. We'll update you with progress as soon as we have information. You know. Uh Uplay definitely had issues connecting uh on the PS4 period. I would uh, come back. For, I, I would have the, uh, you know, come back from like you know going to the bathroom or something like that, or getting a, um, <laughs> uh, getting a snack or something, and it would you play would be disconnected. So great job Ubisoft for shoehorning, uh, you know, this into a game that really didn't need it. I think that's, that, that's a big problem. You know, these publishers trying to shoehorn, they're trying to turn these games into a service. That's basically what they're trying to do, and that, that's an issue. Like, this is what that, the argument that games don't need to be a service. You know? Well, not that games don't need to be a service, but it needs to be executed properly. Um, I mean, there, there is there is value in, you know, like having all these things tied together and being able to track the achievements and the online missions and all that. And I, I mean, to a degree, there's nothing wrong with, with Ubisoft wanting to sort of be like, well, you know, it's our game. It's going to run on all these systems. We want to sort of oversee all the infrastructure. Um, and so if, you know, if they sort of have you, you play in there, you know, tie that, to tie that all together. I mean, that's great, but like, make sure everything works. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I mean, cause, and that's the other thing too, is like, you know, they come out with something like you play and everybody kind of throws their arms up and, and cries DRM. And, you know, they, they say like, you know, we have steam, we really don't need another, you know, like portal. We have to go through to buy our game and play our game and all that. Um, and I get like why every publisher wants to do that, but, you know, when when they when they when they mess it up like this, it it doesn't help them. It's you know, like there's no winners in this case. There's just losers and bigger losers. And I, I honestly don't know whether the fans or or Ubisoft are the bigger losers here because I mean Ubisoft looks dumb, but it's the fan the fans at the end of the day who went out and paid money and you know basically bought shit with it. And I mean, eventually everything's going to work. It's going to have to either, you know, either people are going to stop trying to play their broken game and just move on and you won't hear about it or, uh, you know, or they'll, they'll patch the servers and get everything fixed and everything will be fine. But, you know, why do, why do we, why do we have to go through this? And it's, I mean, it's not just like, you know, like test stuff. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I mean, especially I think that the console, the, the, the console, 
being uh, having problems. That's disheartening because you can always at least point to the PC and be like, well, it's there's something about your specific configuration that's the problem. Um, but consoles, you know, consoles are supposed to be reliable because every console is the same. And if they can't get that right, I mean, I know like I, you know, like no, you know, you know, who knows where they have it on their network and all that, but. Um, Still, like this, you know, it's it's 2014. This shouldn't be happening. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, you know, shoehorn. Like, it's a it's a it's the extra layer that you don't need. It doesn't do anything. I mean, only I've been collecting you play points since Assassin's Creed Two. And what the fuck am I gonna do with them? Like, they don't do anything. Like, they don't they they don't do anything. You know, like, I, well, what, I have, like, certain avatars on Uplay now that I don't use because I never use Uplay. The only game I have on Uplay on my PC um, is uh, Far Cry 3. I have Far Cry 3, and that's it. You know, so why, like, and you know why I wouldn't use Uplay? Because the first time I use Uplay, you get this message when you buy the game that tells you you have, you can re-download the game for... 30 days or 60 days or something like that. And after that, you can't re-download it anymore. So if you download a game on Uplay, you have to like keep the save. You have to keep the, um, the install files that's... on your system or else they're like, Oh, well, well, fuck you. You're done. Like, that's it. Wow. That's so why would I purchase something on Uplay? They're trying to shoehorn the service and look what's happening. It's, it's breaking shit. It's, it's messing up the user experience. You know, to, to a degree, it's like they're almost behind the eight ball from, from, I mean, how this can work. Because at best, you play work seamlessly, you never notice it's there, and everything's just fine. And you're never like, wow, you play really made my gaming experience better. Because like, you just get the gaming experience you expect, and everything's fine. You yeah. only notice it when it messes up and so like right off the bat there's there's no way we're ever gonna be like wow thank you you play no it's just gonna be you know i guess maybe maybe someday we'll be like thank you for not you know like crashing my game you play thank you but (laughs) no it's 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 all we're gonna do benevolent god thank you (laughs) (laughs) thank you ives guillermo no but uh <laughs> no, but uh, no, it's, it's all we all we can do is complain about this, and it's uh, I, I don't know. I, I guess somebody must be converting those you play points into cash because I mean, they're, they're I, I can't I can't as, as much as this was a problem. Um, I mean, Watchdog still sold and, and made them a ton of money, so I'm it's it's not yeah, going anywhere. Oh, obviously, like, they they won't learn any lesson from this, not one because. That that four million that four million units is too loud, but I really want to know like when they go to their meetings and you know go over the numbers like what is UPlay doing for them? You know who's buying games directly on UPlay? If you are, stop. You're part of the problem. <laughs> Just stop. It's all those French Canadians. And that's the thing. Like it's funny. I'm pretty sure Ubisoft wanted to do with what EA did and take their games and just run off of them. But they can never pull it off. Like EA, Battlefield, you know, you got, they have battle, they have some heavy hitters. They got Battlefield, they have Mass Effect, they have, uh, you know, Crisis, heavy hitters on PC. Ubisoft has no PC heavy hitters. They need Steam. 
but I really don't appreciate you shoehorning the game. I haven't bought a Ubisoft game since they started doing that. The last Ubisoft game on PC that I bought was um, uh, Ghost Recon Advanced Warfighter. That was the last... Was it Advanced Warfighter? No, no, no. I'm sorry. That's that's uh, Future Soldier. That's it. That's the one. Advanced Warfighter was one for the 360. But that was, that's the... Uh, yeah, that's the last one I bought. And that doesn't use Uplay or have Uplay. You know, it doesn't require Uplay. You know. Yeah, like, there's nothing... Like, EA, like, watch the Origin and Uplay do nothing to enhance the PC experience. Steam enhanced the PC experience because they were the first to do it. As they were the first. That's why. If Steam... If... If, if the EA downloader came out first and it was successful... Yeah, EA actually did it right. And then Steam came after that. EA would have, like, you know, we wouldn't be using Steam. Well, sorry, that's not true because Steam is making tons of fucking strides. Tons of strides in terms of the PC uh, gaming experience. Uh, because of, you know, early access, which we're going to touch on that a little bit later. Uh, and, you know, stuff like the, uh, you know, having the marketplaces for their games. And adding the review system, which is great for a fucking laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just roll into that and, and talk about that. Um, so, you know, the Steam review system came out a couple months ago. And I think everybody on our side was talking about how bad of an idea that was. Because, you know, anybody can post a review. And, you know, sometimes it's great to have, you know, for everybody to be able to put their, you know, their words in. But sometimes it's not. Look at what happens on Twitter and Facebook and anywhere else where people can say whatever they want. So, <laughs> you'll get it. So, this guy gave, this guy gave, uh, well, one guy gave uh, Watch Dogs a 10 out of 10, or he recommended. He says, my friend called the game Hot Dogs, and I can't get it out of my head. 10 out of 10. Okay. Another guy. I didn't get to wash any dogs. Zero out of five. But I'm not sure if you guys... If you haven't seen the wash dogs meme, then that's probably why you didn't get it. Um, you know, people just put some you know, some stupid stuff. Some people put, like, legit... Uh, well, sorry, they, they don't put legit... They, they're not putting legit reviews at all. So, this guy put... Uh, Game didn't even recognize Windows 7 and wouldn't start. 10 out of 10 masterpiece. <laughs> you know, sarcasm is heavy. Well, no, I thought uh, he, was, he was crediting it because it, it didn't recognize the Microsoft product, so good job. Yeah. See, I can't get past the first loading screen without either Watch Dogs itself crashing or my computer. Love you, Ubisoft. Well, no, the uh, that's not love you, Ubisoft. Uh, Steam replaces naughty words with a string of hearts. <laughs> oh, they do? <laughs> that, that's, how they, that, that's probably not love. <laughs> yeah, that's a four-letter <laughs> word. It's fuck you, Ubisoft. So. Totally. I did not know that, Nick. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Because if you if you if you read on there, yeah, there's yeah, yeah. Offline mode does not even loving work. No, that's not what that's saying there. <laughs> so, no, but uh, yeah, no. It's uh, well, uh, to Steam's credit, the the number scores. Well, the number scores aren't mandatory. People are just randomly assigning them. You know, either whatever scale they want. Usually, it's ten out of ten or, or something out of ten. Uh, occasionally, we'll see something out of five. Uh, I did see a ten out of nine. <laughs> 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 um, but 
because those are just part of the the, the text review, um, there's no aggregation of number scores. So you can't go to you know see like oh Watch Dogs has like an 87 you know Steam rating like that doesn't exist at least not not through this metric. Um, but what everybody is able to do is just give it either a thumbs up or a thumbs down, and I mean to that degree. You know, beyond whatever jokes somebody may make, and 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 sometimes people are are facetious or sarcastic with their actual recommendation. Um, you know, rec clearly recommending a game that didn't work, or or, or you know vice versa but um generally at the very least the recommendation does reflect the tone of the piece either um you know either they're they're kind of hashing on the game and and they're they're you know they're hating on it and giving it a, a thumbs down or they're you know facetiously praising it or, or even if they like it because they keep calling it hot dogs um i mean that's i mean because there's no strict criteria that's as good a reason to like the game as any and so at least the guy gave it a thumbs up um i think the reason you're seeing this for watchdogs is because it's really like the first i, I, I want to say it's the first major release since this feature was introduced um that has such traction and and it does have the nice memes with the watchdogs and stuff but um, i'm trying to think of any other games that would have come out recently with with this sort of attention level um, that would draw, you know, that would draw people to, to start looking at the reviews. I don't know. I'm still reading some of these reviews. <laughs> As you were talking, I'm like, yeah, yeah, Nick's making a point. And I'm just, just reading more of the reviews. Love well, you. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm reading this one and it has all the hearts in it. Says, thank you, UB. And, you know, let's just, uh, I'm going to replace the hearts with love. Okay. Uh, thank you, UB, for you play. I can't, e I cannot even play the loving game because your piece of love software. <laughs> Offline mode doesn't even loving work, so I must wait till they fix their back end. And it has eight hearts. That that's what? love. That's love holes. <laughs> love holes. <laughs> well, you think so? Assholes. That's what I'm thinking. That's that's eight letters. Assholes is eight letters. Yeah, okay, I was going to say, what curse start has eight letters? Like, that's pretty long. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I think you're right, it is assholes. I, we'll I, like, I like love holes better. There's <laughs> <laughs> another one. Imagine a cell phone with the capability of hacking into digital infrastructure of an entire city. A cell that can manipulate traffic to your whim. A cell that can open your, uh, open your, open you, oh, yeah, he, he needs a little grammar lesson here. <laughs> A cell that can open to you the private lives of any citizen, but instead of a touchscreen, the cell phone is a giant throbbing spiked vibrator called Uplay that you can only interface by shoving it into your rear end and using the tensile strength of your sphincter. Once you get over the burden of using Uplay, a Steam knockoff conveniently available in Steam, you will be able to enjoy this year's definitive half-assed money-grabbing console to PC port. Don't even get me started on the plot. <laughs> that is um <laughs> I kinda wanna know what he has to say about the plot because that was one of my um my contention points too. Well the thing too, I guess, is like I mean that was written by Flip, so you could I guess like look him up on Steam to see like, you know, hey, what uh you know, what did you think? Um, you know, I well, the uh, the other one with all the loves was Samuel L. Um and then we opened with one from Justice and one from Pelapoika. Um, so yeah, there's, I mean, that's, I guess that's the one nice thing is these aren't anonymous reviews. Not that a name like justice tells us really who that person is, but, 
Um, but yeah, at least there is, I mean, some degree of, of, uh, responsibility that, you know, we can kind of track back to see, you know, who said what, who takes the review seriously. Um, if you liked, you know, flips vibrator laced review, um, you may like other reviews that he's done. And so you may want to <laughs> keep track of what games he plays and what he says about them. I'm going to go to this page and start saying, was this review helpful? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see some more. It's like playing GTA's Batman, except your family hasn't been shot yet. Dubai. Which makes sense. The the main character, Aiden, definitely wants to be Christian Bale. Uh, shot two guys, freestyle rapping on a street corner, 9 out of 10. Found an NPC who was curious about yiffing, 10 out of 10. Stole $220 from a guy who was diagnosed with cancer, 10 out of 10. You can steal $900 from people who are heavily into porn whilst wearing a fedora. 11 out of 10. First legitimate hack was a soda machine. 10 out of 10 would drink again. <laughs> you, you missed on the last one. He also said uh, game of the year. Actually, do you say he gave it 11 out of 10? Yeah. Yeah. It was a game of the year. Stalked a guy, stole his data, then became mayor of a lighthouse. 10 out of 10 would hack again. Yeah. Oh, here. Here's more. Drove a car. 10 out of 10. If you like games, buy this game only because it's a game. Died three times kicking the same park. You can be there. 10 out of 10. You know, what, what, what is nice, too, is that under everybody's profile, you can see how many games they have, or at least how many pro- it says products in account, which, yeah, I mean, fundamentally, that's games. Uh, that, but it also, it also tells you how like many that. reviews they've made. I don't like that, because that could make you a target for to get your fucking account hacked. What do you mean? Dude, if, you, if they can tell you how many, like, how many products you have in your account, that could tell a hacker, somebody who's trying to steal your account, how valuable your account is. Well, then maybe you shouldn't go lightly posting reviews then, just to be like, yeah, I like the game is called Hot Dogs. <laughs> Forklift Hacking Simulator 2014. It's like Skyrim with guns. <laughs> Grand Theft iPhone. Pretty much the same as GTA, Just Cause, Saints Rod, Sleeping Dogs. No worse, no better. With bad mouse handling, arcade driving, and dumb AI. All that in Chicago. So, that is one thing. Like, read, the, read my review. I'm not going to get into it, but, dude, the AI is terrible. I think generally, I mean, put, putting aside the, the concept of the humor, at the very least, you can sort of skim the reviews and just see, you know, is it more thumbs up or thumbs down? And I think most, you know, it's interesting, too, that looking at this, most of the thumbs down are all directed at Uplay and Ubisoft. And like yeah. pretty much everybody who actually says anything of, of any real content about the game, even if they kind of slag on it a little bit, they still give it a thumbs up. So overall, well, yeah, overall, it, it, just, it seems to be positive. We that a lot of them are being sarcastic. It's, here, here's the games industry public defender, Nick, coming out. I was wondering what happened to him because he wasn't around last week. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't around last week. Welcome back, Nick. I'm not defending anybody. I'm just sort of saying that I, I think overall, I mean, we're, we're kind of looking at abuses of the system, but I think overall it, it, the system can handle it, that this is that it wasn't designed to be any more serious than it is, and, and you can still use the review system to kind of get gauge a, a title um, and get some enjoyable reading material out of it. I think this, all around this is fun. Here's the problem. Okay, here's the problem with the way Valve handles things. They put too much trust into the hands of the people. Um, and I can understand why they do it, okay? Um, and this is going to roll into our early access deal. 
just to let you know, I'm just going to start talking about it when, when we reach it. But um, they, 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 Valve is used to dealing with the PC community back in the day. You know, like, you know, Counter-Strike, um, Half-Life, modern community, Team Fortress 2. You know what I'm saying? Stuff like that. And the, the PC community at that level um, was very self-contained. But communities don't work like that anymore. And Steam has gotten so big that they can't just trust the community to to manage itself the way it used to. You know, and that's I think that's part of the problem. Because, like, you know, like the, even now, like, the Team Fortress community kind of manages itself and, and, you know, trades and uses the tool that Valve provides. The Counter-Strike community is still the same thing because those communities, while they're big, they're not super huge. But because Steam has become this massive, this massive thing, you know, it's it's kind of hard to keep, you know, to keep control. I shouldn't say to keep control, but it's hard to... There's more people putting their hands in the jar. I'll, you know, I'll say I'll, putting their hands into. Fuck, what am I trying to say? Like, I'm trying to. I'm trying to think of the best way to, to to say it without sounding like a dick. <laughs> people are stupid, okay? <laughs> no, I guess what I'm trying to say is that there's there's just too many people, um, with you know, that that the community can't manage itself the way it used to, or at least in this aspect. They're kind of looking at it like a like a, a small sort of self-maintaining community, and really, it's just a mob. Yes, exactly. That's why you're here, Nick. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> no, but see, I don't, I don't know if it's that they trust the community. I think Valve is more just they just don't they they, they don't necessarily care. They're like, we've got this good idea. Let's let's you know make this little review thing, and we'll throw it out there, and then it's your thing, and we'll just let like let it, it grow and evolve on its own and we're just not going to take responsibility for it and i don't know that they're tr- i mean effectively by not taking responsibility for it they are trusting the community but i don't think they're intentionally saying like we're going to trust you with it it's more it's it's more like just throwing a bunch of seeds out in the wild and seeing what grows because they i don't know if it's because they simply don't have the manpower i mean they definitely don't have the manpower um but I don't know if it's it's because they don't have an interest in sort of trying to maintain these systems or you know, I almost feel to a degree like if 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 Gabe had like an actual like army and had like a monolithic company like like Google or Microsoft or something underneath him where he could be like, no, we're going to implement a system and everybody down here beneath me is actually going to watch it and make sure it, 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 it's, it matures properly. Um, we might see something different, but I think they know that they know that Steam is kind of a wild place. And so to that degree, they're like, you know, we'll give you a system here. We'll try to put some interesting features in, and we'll also try to make sure that you can't do too much damage with it. But overall, it's your system. And whether they trust the players to, to like, nurture it properly or just destroy it, I don't, I don't even know if they'd say that they say that, but they're just – they're very hands-off in that regard. I think we kind of saw the same thing with Greenlight, and and to a degree, I, I think even what they keep talking about, the direction they want to take Greenlight, as far as, you know, we just want to be able to kind of have a system that the developers come in and, and put their game in, and then it just sort of organically, they want things to organically happen. And I, there's, I think they, they're, I guess that's what they're struggling with, is building an ecosystem that can organically manage the stuff that they're thinking about. And, and 
I mean, you, you're going to get, I mean, this is like, like, a, this is like a plant where you kind of got to prune some of the, the errant branches. Um, you're going to get this kind of stuff here, which, I mean, if you like it for a laugh, it's great. If you want strict, you know, straight up reviews, then something needs to be done about this. But I, 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 I can't think that they're naive enough to be like, oh no, no, the players will take care of it. Like they can't, they're, they're I don't think trust is in their vocabulary. Then what's the point of putting it out if it's just going to turn to shit? Because that's kind of what would happen. I mean, you know, you saw that, like, okay, look what happened with Greenlight, and then they had to put a restriction on Greenlight. They have this review system in place, but what's the point of having a review system if it, if you, if it, for the most part, it's not very trustworthy? More than half of the comments that I read were sarcastic, but gave a thumbs up. But I think that's the point, though, is that the, the I think the comments are one thing. I think ultimately where you get the value is in the in the thumbs up or thumbs down. I mean, as much as the comments were were sarcastic, you know, people still are recommending the game, and I think that's what most people would say is, yeah, they're joking around in the comments, but ultimately they'd recommend the game. Um, it's a bit. I mean, it's 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 a bit easy. It's it's just a straight up yes or no metric. So there's not a lot of you know like oh I loved it versus yeah I liked it. Um, but still, I th- like you know I, I still think there's value in being able to peruse the comments and 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 you know just look to just see wow I'm seeing a lot of red here, you know the, this 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 game probably sucks or you know what I'm looking down here every review you know is is a blue thumbs up and yeah I'll check the game out I think that's that's where the value is and I I just don't know if you know I don't know if you can get that without the comments I think I feel like the comments often provide or at least can be used to provide context where you know be it facetiously or not mm, i think that i think i don't know i i didn't take it that way i didn't think they were just joking around and like oh but it's a good game so i'm gonna thumb it up anyway uh, a lot of the comments were okay look at the you know the one i read about the throbbing vibrator that one was a thumbs up he definitely doesn't like the game he doesn't like you play <laughs> <laughs> and that's no but he mentioned the plot too uh, yeah okay yes he did you know that that's the thing so I don't know like Valve they, they like to, to give tools and then let the community run with it but in some cases like for individual games it's one thing like I said like Counter-Strike Team Fortress those communities still manage themselves and if the, if the Steam community was smaller the community would still be managing itself with this review system you know but they can't but it's not like you know even if you are somebody who's going to try to put up something helpful or something useful with the review system, uh, it's going to be negated anyway because there's going to be so many more people that just troll it. And that's 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 my point. I'm not saying Valve needs to take, like, you know, totalitarian, totalitarian control over it. But, you know, maybe there's a system that should be put in place where if enough people thumbs down a con- like, you know, a review, it, it doesn't show up anymore. That may be. I mean, they, they do have the, was this review helpful things at the bottom so at that point you're reviewing the reviewers so they do have there's some kind of meta right there so you have some kind of meta moderation in place presumably yeah uh but talking about you know steam and it's it's problems steam early access uh has had a bumpy road actually more recently than not steam, steam early access has been around for a while at this point uh i don't know at least for a year i think steam early access Maybe even more than that. I can't really think of. Uh, I'm trying to think of the first early access game I heard of. 
But yeah, whatever, that's irrelevant. Still, Steam Early Access has been around for a while, but more recently, I think we've been seeing some games that have been in Early Access for some time um, flail out. Like, specifically Towns, like a game that was on... Actually, uh, is it more than um, than a year? Than a year Because Towns was on Early Access for 18 months, I think. Wow. And sold 200,000 copies. For an indie game, that ain't bad. Especially an indie game that's not finished. And it failed out? They they decided they they're gonna stop working on it. The developer of Towns said they're they're done. Huh. They they're not they're not gonna they're not gonna finish the game. So basically, two hundred thousand people or over two hundred thousand people have a game that's never gonna be finished. You know, and that's the thing about early access. I guess it's it's not really Valve's problem. But as more and more users, as, as Steam gets more and more users, which is it's constantly growing, you can't expect them to be as educated on the PC gaming scene as, uh, you know, I guess you're, you're a regular P- PC oh. goer. Because well, especially as, you know, these games, a lot of the games that are coming out aren't really hard, graphic intensive, and it's getting a lot cheaper to be able to get involved in PC gaming. So, you know, your average Joe may start hopping into it and, you know, they don't know nothing about pewters. And they're like, oh, this game just came out on Steam because early access games just show up. Like, you know, they only say early access when you go to the actual page and it's actually kind of easy to overlook it that it's early access. And so the early access, oh, that must mean I just get early access to the game. That's cool. And then they buy it. And then, you know, they're surprised. But I have to think that it says early access somewhere, like when you go to purchase the game, like on your little like receipt before you hit submit, it's no, got to it say like not. early access on there somewhere. It does not. Really? Really, really. It says early access on the store page, and that's it. Huh. Well, I guess... Sure. Huh. Well, I would hope... You'd have to... Ho- I mean, I, I, this sounds very much like a talk we had... God, I think like two years ago now, um, back when like Kickstarter started taking off and it was like, oh, look, you know, like there's a bunch of big profile Kickstarters that are kind of failing and people gave a lot of money and they're not getting it back. And it seems to, this seems to kind of fit like the same thing. Like if you're, you know, if if you're going to throw money at a product that is not done, it is not released, um, you know, like you have to make sure you understand what that transaction entails. And I think that was kind of the determination we made about Kickstarter. Kickstarter basically did the same thing that Valve did, um, where they were just kind of like, eh, you know, like they kind of said, like, look, like, you know, you're, you're, you know, we can't guarantee that you're going to get what you're paying for. And Valve even, you know, put up a statement on their website. They, I think they improved the, uh, the FAQ section for the early access where they basically said, like, you know, make sure that you're aware that when you're buying something in early access, it may never be released. The developers, you know, every developer has a different standard for what released means and a different time frame and you know you know it, that may never come to be and yeah it's i suppose valve could help by making that a little clearer you know i would like to think yeah that if, if you're gonna like purchase an early access game it should say that all over the place um to make sure that you know exactly what you're getting into um but yeah it's really it's it's buyer beware it is i mean i think this is less of a valve problem per se i mean they could definitely can do more to help out with it but it, a lot of it has to do with consumer you know knowledge being a smart consumer and that that's the big that's the big problem like when you get early access 
I mean, you're pretty much saying that you want to be involved with the game's development. So if you're if you buy into early access, I would expect that you go onto the forums and you know help out. Yeah, because I mean, other, uh, like what I I guess it's I mean I guess it depends on the nature of the game that you're looking at as far as you know. But why like but generally like why would you want to play a broken game? I mean that's mostly what early access is, is you're getting an unfinished game. There's no guarantee it'll even work properly. And yeah, yeah so I mean, yeah, it's it, it's I don't know. It, it it seems to me that anybody that's interested in that, they should they should know what they're doing, but clearly people just hit the buy button without really paying much attention. So Yeah, but that's the thing about early access, like some early access games are actually very very good like when i first played horizon uh the problem with horizon was that there were all, there was only one race available but the game itself was very very playable you know even though there's probably some of the additional graphical upgrades once the game was released but for the most part the game itself was playable um but the uh you know some games like i have this one called door kickers which is kind of like uh uh, you know, a SWAT simulator. Like, you know, it's like, it's like a top-down SWAT simulator. And uh, that game was not very playable. Like, we got it. Actually, you know what I got? Audio Surf 2. I got Audio Surf 2, and, dude, the interface was barely usable. So much so that I was like, I told the guy, I was like, look, I can't really write anything about this right now. He's like, yeah, it's fine. You know, so... But at least they they knew about this. I mean, clearly they have to know about the state of that. But yeah, it's. I mean, yeah, early access is not. It's not for the. It's not for a casual fan. It's for somebody who, for whatever reason, is really interested in a game and either can't wait to play it. That they're like, no, I need whatever you know, like reduced function state the game is in. I need that in order to enjoy it now. Or it's you know, it's for somebody who wants to help you know fundamentally help give feedback to develop the game and have a little bit of say as far as the direction that the development goes. Yeah, so like, just be careful. If you're getting into early access, you just need to, you know, realize like you're turning yourself into a beta tester, an alpha yeah. tester, even alpha tester. Yeah, because dude, like some of these games are really ugly. <laughs> they're they're like they they are they are nowhere near ready for consumer consumption. I mean, some are great, like you know, Cabal Space Program. That game was awesome, and lots of awesome videos came from that. Do you ever watch any of those videos, Nick? No, but I've heard I've heard about it. Oh god, they are really funny but, to watch. Sometimes. But but isn't that kind of the problem though? Like you get those great games, like you know, like even then, like there's the one article on Kotaku where they uh, they talk about you know everybody kind of points to Minecraft as far as being an alpha for however long, where people were playing before the game was released proper. And yeah, it's like you see these kind of great success stories of like, look, we made early access and the fans got involved and they helped the game. And then, yeah, you get these other people then who come along and they kind of overreach with their goals and they're, they're you know, they, they don't quite plan out the business properly. And then everything winds up tanking, even though they've got a bunch of people technically invested already. Um, but that's that's all you wind up getting for your money then is just that half finished product. Yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, be careful. You know, and if you do get an early access, expect to help out, I, I would say. Do your duty. Yeah. So. Uh, but yeah, let's get to our last topic. <laughs> uh, this video uh, on PBS Games. Uh, and, well, the video was from PBS Games, I should say. 
and it, it was talking about whether the FPS is dying or evolving. I had brain cells that died watching this. <laughs> well, basically, like, the, the hosts who, you know, Nick's mad, I'm upset, but I can't get mad at the host because he didn't write that. I hope he didn't write it for his sake. No, you should get mad. He spoke it. <laughs> if he uh, if he didn't write that, if he didn't agree with it, then he should have like said like I can't do this. I have a soul and walked away. <laughs> Who, for all we know, he doesn't even play games. Who knows? <laughs> That's not a defense for him. <laughs> That's true. But uh, so basically, you know, he he's talking about the sales of Titan. He brings up Titanfall sales or the lack, not the lack of sales, but the lack of. Microsoft touting sales because we it is true that Microsoft would have paraded sales around if they were really good, but Microsoft hasn't has said anything about the sales of Titanfall, and some speculation is that what there's these little what two million units so something, far, yeah, something like that. The Titanfall, and so you know he uses that and the fact that you know Call of Duty Ghosts did not sell as well as Black Ops Two. Uh. He he's using that as well, saying you know that is a that is proof that the FPS genre is dying that we're getting tired of playing first person shooters. He also brought up something that said you know new first person shooters like Bioshock Infinite also showed that the genre is dying because Bioshock Infinite did so poorly that Irrational Games closed. Do your, uh, which, do your research. <laughs> yes, he needs to do his research. I was just getting ready to bring that up. Because anybody who, uh, you know, plays any, any gamer knows at this point that why Irrational Games closed. And that's because Ken Levine was leaving the studio. And Take-Two was like, well, that's that. <laughs> we, 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 we did a great podcast talking about that. You can go back and listen to the, the MASHcast archives. Yeah. So that, we should tell that to that guy. Exactly. But in reference to the actual first-person shooter genre, he picked some pretty bad examples. Yes. Basically, he so he, he talked about Titanfall not selling. He talked about Call of Duty not selling as well. He talked about Halo selling well, but the player base declining quickly. And I can address all of these things. Okay. First of all, if you're going to talk about Call of Duty and Titanfall, let's place them in the same, you know, category because people know that Titanfall was created by the creators of Call of Duty. So if you're tired of Call of Duty, you're already going to be tired of Titanfall. Okay? Titanfall, and first he was also wrong too because he says Titanfall was released on the Xbox One first when that wasn't true when it was released on Xbox One and PC. Okay? So he's got to get his facts straight. Somebody needs it. Somebody at PBS needs to do some fact checking. But the thing about Titanfall is that it is very Call of Duty-ish. I'm sorry. It's tall Call of Duty with mechs, which we're going to have a second Call of Duty with mechs out later this year. Um, I'll allow you was... Go ahead, Nick. No, because he, point, he points that out even. I mean, that's the thing is he makes arguments and then he, he uses the counter-argument later on to prove the same point, which doesn't make any sense. Because <laughs> you're, you're entirely right because he talks about how... Yeah, like, you know, he, t he talks about Titanfall and then later on he talks about, uh, was it Advanced Warfighter or whatever, yeah. the, the next one. He's like, it's just Call of Duty with mechs, which we've seen before. And it's like, yes, but you just said that's a bad thing. So I don't... I don't know. Yeah. So, like, you know... Titanfall, which isn't a bad game, but I mean, if you don't like Call of Duty, you don't like that style of play, 
I don't think you're going to like Titanfall. It is like that that hybrid military slash arena shooter. You know? Uh, not quite the simulation like Arma. Well, actually pretty far from Arma. But not quite Unreal Tournament. And so if you if you don't like one, you're not going to like the other. Infinity Ward. I mean, the, the, the situation is more complex than he gives it credit to. Everybody knows that Ghosts was an Infinity Ward project. And Infinity War, after Modern Warfare 2 and Modern Warfare 3, Infinity Ward is losing favor with the gaming community. They really are. Which, and it just wasn't that great of a game to begin with. That's why people weren't buying it. People were talking to their friends, and there's, people were going back to play Ghosts. For example, my girlfriend, her son, had, has a PS4, had Call of Duty Ghosts a couple weeks ago, because he didn't play Ghosts for months. A couple weeks ago, they go to GameStop, trade in Ghosts, and get and rebuy Black Ops 2. That's what they did, because Ghosts wasn't that great of a game. So, it's not that people don't want to play FPS, it's that they just, they just want to play good FPS. Okay? And then let's talk about Halo. Halo sold tremendously well. But you know what? They were, you, see, you know, you talk about the Halo player base dropping off within a few weeks. Do you want to know why they dropped off? Because it's Halo. It's the same Halo. It's the same game. And the same thing goes with Call of Duty. Uh, Black Ops 2 was good. And, you know, Ghost wasn't as good from a, from a you know, single-player perspective. But, you know, the, the multiplayer, at the same time, it's still Call of Duty. You know, and you still have more people playing Black Ops because nobody's buying Ghosts because it's the same game. I mean, you can't you can't say first-person shooters are getting repetitive. Actually, I'm sorry. If you use it in the right context, you can because there, you know, we we've talked about it so many times. There's a time period where there was there's a bunch of Call of Duty clones, but you can't like right now. Like you can't say that uh, you know people are getting tired of first-person shooters just because people are getting tired of the Call of Duty formula. You know. I, I, Go ahead. I just want to jump in here though too. Like he shows that graph of the Halo players dropping off. Right. Like that happens for like all games. Like <laughs> what? Like like a game comes out. There's a lot of hype about it. People play it, and then either they beat it or they get bored with it or they move on to the new hotness and the tails off. And like I think outside of like Counter Strike 1.6 that people still play. Like every shooter kind of goes through that evolution. So I don't see how that proves that shooters are dying just because like Halo is subject to like the new you know like trend for video games as far as like how how people cycle through their media. Well, it doesn't. That they're just using data improperly and this is the problem with you know information without the proper context yes you know uh i don't know the the like i mean i've seen a couple of episodes of this show and most of the time they're pretty balanced but dude like this is this is just it felt like a grab or it felt like a reach maybe the show was running out of ideas and actually (laughs) is it running out of ideas or is it evolving oh (laughs) dude it looks like the for the last week the the show was about games that give you a spiritual experience. So I'm like, maybe they are running out of ideas. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, look, we're gonna close up shop soon. We just need to pump out a few more episodes. Let's do it. And that'll be it. Either way, take it from somebody who plays for who loves first person shooters and you know, I I play them as much as possible. The genre's not dying. Like it it's if anything, if Bioshock Infinite showed us anything, it's that the genre is alive and well. And 
is going to be here for a while. Not to mention all of the hybrid first-person games, which he calls first-person shooters, but they're not shooters. You know, the the, the puzzle games, the first-person puzzle games, the first-person horror game. You know, he call you know call Slenderman a first-person shooter. He in the video he says, "What exactly is shooting?" I was, allow me to demonstrate, <laughs> please. Oh, that, no, it's 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 beautiful bullshit. I mean, what he does there, it's it's masterful because he 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 sets up the argument in such a way that he can't violate it. And so what he he does is he defines he he defines sort of shooting as you know like interacting with uh, with an object sort of that that you're looking at, which is basically you know like when you, when you're playing a first person shooter, you're looking at an object, you shoot it. That's interacting with it. But that extends to be like oh like he talks about Gone Home where. Um, you know, like, oh, I, I'm going to look at a lamp and I'm going to throw a tissue box at the lamp. Um, you know, that's interacting with it. Um, so therefore, Gone Home is a first person shooter. And he, I mean, he does make the point that Gone Home borrows. See, what, what it is, is that he, he, Gone Home, he says, borrows sort of the the inherited uh, schema of what a first person of how we how we interact through a first person space uh, because what we've done is since we've kind of had first person shooters for well on you know 20 years now we've kind of we've we've, we've come up with sort of a shorthand for how we navigate these spaces be it the the, the WASD keys or the uh, the dual stick uh, control scheme and to say that that sort of defines because you're using that scheme that defines a first person shooter it's he framed the argument very well, but it's fundamentally wrong. It's it's the wrong argument that you're framing because it, it, a first person shooter has first person in it. It's not that it's not that Gone Home is in the subset of first person shooters. It's that Gone Home and first person shooters are in the subset of first person games, and. I, I see what he's trying to do because he he does he, you know because he then he turns around and says like look this is the evolution that it's going in this is this is like it's almost like he's kind of saying like you know like dinosaurs are dying out but they're going to become birds so you know first person shooters are dying out but they're going to become games like Gone Home and no because early on he talks about how first person shooters are stale how they're all the same how you know how we have the mechs in Advanced Warfighter and Titanfall and there's no innovation in the first person shooter space but then he goes on to say like but but there's this 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 hybridization of how you have a game like Evolve where you've got you know like it's a first person shooter but you also have somebody playing as the monster um and and he and he talks about some other games that uh sort of you know take these different genres and kind of bend them and again what they're all doing primarily is they're just bending that first person aspect to it um and and it's it's like he kind of tries to have it both ways where it's like first person shooters are stale, but then first person shooters are, 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 there's actually a wide diversity of them and they're actually, they're changing very much. And so I, I, I don't know. It's, it, it feels like he's talking out both sides of his mouth. He is, but that's what his job is. He, his job is to make us want to talk about this stuff and say that you are wrong. Sir. Which he is. We're right. We're always right on the match cast. I, I, Look at our I, prediction record. Oh, but I, I, I kind of want to use, like, well, even then, I don't even, see, I don't even know what he finally, finally winds up deciding, because one of the things that he talks about is he, he, he references how Westerns were hugely popular early on in, in cinema, cinematic development, and then everybody got tired of Westerns and moved on to other stuff, but there's still a spattering of Westerns made, and so he says, like, well, look, first-person shooters are hugely popular now, but... You know, in, in the future, like, you know, everybody's going to get tired and bored of them and move on. But there's there'll still be some kind of like spattering of first person shooters made. And even John Carmack said, like, I always think there'll be a first person shooter. I think what's what's a little different between like 
I mean, cinema is an, is an art form that's been around for so long and it's gone through so many stages and, and, you know, video games are relatively young in that regard. But I kind of feel like that there's always going to be people coming into the, into the, into the, you know, the, the genre, not the genre, but coming to play video games. There's always going to be new blood coming in to play video games. And I feel like some of those people are going to be like, yeah, I want to shoot somebody in the face virtually, virtually. Um, and, and I think there's always going to be a market for that. And may, maybe I think it, it might benefit us all if, if call of duty, isn't the, the, the big dog on campus, you know, perennially, um, if we can get, you know, that money kind of distributed out amongst the rest of the industry so that, you know, different games can be successful and, and, you know, cause to a degree, a lot of the, a lot of the first person shooter, a lot of the stagnation that we see comes because everybody's trying to be the next call of duty. It's all, you know, how can we, you know, get in on that, that cash flow? And so, you know, maybe if, if call of duty wasn't so successful, we might see, we might see a little more innovation. We might see a little more evolution of the shooter, but to say that gone home, I mean, he probably thinks that like dear Esther is a first person shooter, which that's not even a game. <laughs> yeah. He probably thinks Journey's a game. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, but I mean, the thing about first person shooters is that I, I don't think he really understands or most people don't understand. Well, most people from the outside looking in, as a lot of people think that first-person shooters are about violence, and that's it. That's why people like it. People like shooting other people in the face. People like hurting other people virtually, you know, and that's what it's all about. And I can't understand where that, that logic comes from, but first-person shooters aren't like – the reason they're not all about killing someone, um, even though that's what you're doing. But a lot of – I think a lot – first-person shooters are always be challenging, you know, First-person shooters typically aren't about timing or learning how to to best a game, you know. Uh, there you can't. I mean, you can learn the game's mechanics on a first-person shooter and get better that way, but there's always room for improvement because it relies heavily on reflex and accuracy. You know what I'm saying? When I shoot somebody in the face, let's say I shoot an NPC in the face. I'm not, I'm not feeling fulfilled because I just killed that digital, you know, that that digital person or that 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 computer. I feel fulfilled because you know I got a headshot or I shot him exactly where I where I wanted to and I did it quickly. You know what I'm saying? Like what game? Um, Call of War's Gunslinger was really good for that. You know what I'm saying? Like you know shooting people and you know going for the headshots and you know getting points because of it. It's it's rewarding to do so. So I mean it may sound funny that I'm saying this, but it's not about killing somebody. It's about me hitting my target. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you know, uh, it's not necessarily about just me killing killing something. And a lot of people play that. And on, and on a multiplayer level, you know, it's even more so. Now, now you're playing against another another living, breathing, thinking person. You know, somebody that can think freely and adjust to how you play. And you can still tag that guy with a headshot, you know, plus the trash talk that goes along with it. It's awesome. So, but yeah, I mean, from the outside looking at, it, I think first person shooters, a lot of people think that they're just about violence. And for a lot of us, they're not, you know what I'm saying? Do I want to shoot somebody in the face in real life? No, cause I'm not crazy, you know, but, and, and from a game perspective, like, sure. Yeah. Because it's not about the kill. It's about the accomplishment of, the headshot because it's not always the easiest thing to do. 
of course it gets easier to do as you get older and you know play more but it's not the easiest thing to do so i don't know either way the guy's wrong we're right we're awesome <laughs> <laughs> and on that note i think we're gonna we're, we're all done with our topics here I'm not even going to go to Giant Bomb. Well, that's where we usually look at our list of games coming out. Because there's nothing coming out. E3. That's what's coming it's out. It's E3. <laughs> E3's coming up. And I'm pretty sure we'll have plenty to talk about then. I'm I'm sure Joel Couture uh, will be back next week. I hope he's back next he week. He better be back. We still have to duke it out over uh, over that uh, article that he wrote about uh, randomly generated content. Yes, I saw that. <laughs> I did see that, that you want to talk about talk you know civilly of course well we we started going at it on twitter and then all of a sudden you know we started going at twitter and now i think he's dodging me he hasn't been here in two weeks now i think he's scared (laughs) if he's not here next week i claim victory okay i'll do a victory lap i'll dance around oh we'll see we'll see next week uh in the meantime though uh thank you for listening as always you can catch us on soundcloud which is soundcloud.com slash mash those buttons you can catch us on iTunes. Uh, you know, if you listen to podcasts weekly, just subscribe and it'll come to you in iTunes. Uh, we are also on Stitcher Smart Radio, so if you don't want to support the man, then you can go to Stitcher instead and you can uh, listen there. Uh, we are on uh, Twitter, which is twitter.com slash MTB site. We're on Facebook, which is facebook.com slash mash those buttons. And we are also on YouTube, which is youtube.com smash those buttons like i said thank you for listening we will catch you guys next week have a great weekend everybody see you